active duty service members, veterans, family members, thank you for your service. And thank you for listening to Return to Roots Mildevet Resource Podcast, where we document our shared experiences, stories, and transitioning and reintegrating from the military to the community. Hosted by two transitioning service members, myself, Chris Elder, and my partner in crime, Yonatan Hernandez. For more information, go to mill2vet.com. If you have little ears, ensure you listen to the content before you allow them to listen. And if you are in crisis and homelessness, suicide ideations, or incarceration, dial 211 Courage to Call for assistance. Now, stand by for the sound of freedom. Return to Roots, tonight, we will have Jesse Kendrick. He is a fantabulous wealth of knowledge with a lot of experience when it comes to the transition and also with the challenges that you will be facing through before and after your process. So please stick around and listen to the show. I think it, it's a it's a process that lasts a long time. You know, you, you spend most of your adult life getting programmed in the ways of the military. Um, that unprogramming, you know, it takes a while. It takes a while. So transition is an ongoing thing from, you know, the day that you decide to, you know, hang it up. Um, probably until the day that you, you know, get get put in the dirt and you get six feet under. I think it's just, <laughs> you know, I think it's just that long of a thing, you know, when you dedicate okay. your life to something um, and then choose to stop doing it or, you know, you hit your higher tenure, even though those are kind of suspended right now. Um, I think it's it's an ongoing process, something that you got to work out a little bit every day. So you feel like you haven't transitioned yet? Oh, not completely. No, I mean, um you know, when you when you look at our friend uh, Maurice, you know, yeah. there's a reason that they, you know, call that reboot, you know, because you basically have to get reprogrammed. Um, and if you're if you're not working with a program like his and you're just kind of out in the ether like I am, um, it takes a little bit longer. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And it's crazy, man, because. um I just went through a class and it's called for uh, business continuity, right? And honestly, had I not gone through the whole process that I've gone through so far, I would have never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, my mindset was straight up just, oh, I'm going to do something aviation, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And then because you're so focused, uh, that's fine. Uh, we're just so focused on what we know, and we really don't know ninety percent of the other stuff, right? We got that, that, like that one little sliver, and you know, just working with you, uh, and getting to know that, and getting to all that exposure, that like changed a lot of mindsets, right? Even just just getting to know what what's her name, Amy. Uh, oh yeah. That that whole experience, that whole experience set a lot of things just in motion that I never thought 
we're a part of things, right? And then that yeah. opened the door with you, with Overwatch. And then that set that whole training, you know, down one road, learning all of those things. And then now here, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. Yeah, so. life is life is wild. Um, but I'm a recently um, transitioned service member out of the Navy. I was a Navy chief when I when I went to the other side, spent just shy of 21 years in um was an aviation guy and Eric crewman lots of hours flying the p3 um p8 mq4 triton which is the big uav and uh i've i've been out for just over a year now um and into my uh or should i say back into my civilian life so um wanted to talk with y'all today about you know preparation for transition and just kind of my journey. As I said at the beginning, every transition is going to be different, right? Nobody's is going to be the same. Um, everybody has different circumstances, different family, you know, dynamics. Um, you know, you might have young kids, you might have kids that are already graduated. So there's so much information out there. Choosing your path is kind of like that old book, choose your own adventure, right? Um, and there's no right or wrong way to do it, um, per se. I mean, there's definitely some stuff that if you don't do, you're not going to be successful. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing that I did that I think helped me was I started making moves about 24 months out from the date that I chose. And actually, my date was a little bit beyond... Um, what I actually got out for. Uh, and what I mean by that is being a detailer in the Navy, you kind of get to learn the ins and outs of how all the dates work and contracts work and everything. So I knew, I knew that if I had less than 12 months remaining on my contract, when I finished my set of detailing orders here in Millington, um, I would have more options. So I had eight months left on my contract when I was due to rotate. And uh, so that gave me some latitude to, you know, choose to retire or go to the end of my contract. And in the Navy, you can choose to um, retire or enter the fleet reserve either at your PRD if you're over 20 or at your SEAOS, which is the end of your, your contract. And I was, you know, just going through life thinking I was going to ride out that last eight months here in Millington and I'd seen other guys go to, you know, different jobs over at, uh, at the, the board selection board, you know, they just enter records or whatever. So I was, I was kind of planning on that, but, uh, the big thing, and, and once again, this is an appropriate time frame to do this, um, podcast, because the thing that really changed my mind about staying in the military was when Abigate happened in Afghanistan. Um, you know, I'd spent spent time in those theaters and, you know, in in places where um, I felt that we shouldn't have exited the way that we did. So when that happened, um, that that just sealed the deal for me. I, I knew I was going to get out and I thought I was going to just write it out to the end of my contract. And then I fell in with a company that, um, you know, ha had a good mission and started contracting with them. 
um, and, and kind of made my decision when I went to a conference they hosted and, you know, called my wife and said, hey, I'm going to get out. That's when I really buckled down on the transition stuff. And the biggest thing, especially being an air crewman, um, and it's the same for a lot of different rates and a lot of different MOSs, is you basically just go through your career and you you put little tiny band-aids on, on health things, right? Um, particular being an air crewman, I always had to have an upshift in order to fly and execute my mission. Um, so, you know, I would go to the doctor and you know, tell them the bare minimum what was going on with me when I went for my annual flight physical. I absolutely made sure I was safe to fly, but there were some things that, you know, I never addressed. So um, when I made the decision that I was going to get out, I was like, I'm going to go to medical and get seen for every little thing that I've been putting off. You know, these headaches that I would get occasionally that were debilitating. I went and finally got saw seen for that. Um, you know, different little things on, on my skin that potentially could have been, you know, cancerous or whatever that I never had checked because I didn't want to know the answer. Right. So I went and got all that stuff checked. I, I did a second sleep study, um, because the first one they found that, uh, you know, I had sleep apnea, but it wasn't severe enough to warrant a CPAP. Well, you know, that was four years before I separated. So obviously it had progressed and I was like, well, I better get checked again. Um, and then um, my grandfather, who was a uh, Navy and Air Force veteran, had prostate cancer um, later in his life when he was, oh, I think he was probably in his late 70s when that happened. But, um, you know, talking with my wife after I made the decision to transition, she's like, hey, you need to go get a colonoscopy. And I was like, well, nobody's looking forward to that, but uh, <laughs> let, me, let me talk to the doc. And thank goodness I had a good doc um, at the base here. And she's like, well, you know, the Navy typically doesn't recommend that till you're 45. Um, but since you've stated that you have a history of that in your in your family, I'll go ahead and sign off on it and you can go get it. So I got that done. Um like I said, the biggest thing was just starting to take care of myself, right? Um, not that I hadn't done that, but I hadn't done it real effectively for 20 plus years. Um, I was always focused on the mission and sailors that I served with and that I worked for and that worked for me. So I really kind of had to make a, a mindset change. Hey, you got to take care of yourself um, and make sure all this stuff's documented. Um so that, that was a big thing for me going through transition. And then, you know, everybody goes through TAP at some point in some form, but TAP is just uh, information delivery vehicle, right? It's not really meant to help you succeed. It's to give you all the tools to make transition, you know, palatable, I guess is the word that I'll use. Um, and, and the military has done a much better job with transition assistance in the past five years than it did the first 15 that I was in the military. Um, back when I first came in and was with my first unit, uh, you know, guys would get out and they, you know, tap was just like, you know, here's some information. And, you know, I think it was only like a four hour class back then, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, and guys would just get out and go on their way then, and then they would struggle a lot. 
And, you know, vets still struggle even going through TAP and with all the resources that are out there. But it's it's programs like this that you and Chris put on and just kind of, you know, sit down and have a talk and, and share stories um, to make a difference. Um, and technology has helped out a lot with transition these days because you have so much information at your fingertips. But one thing that I always talked with veterans that I was helping um, after I got out of the military and I still talk with them about is you don't know what you don't know, right? If you don't know about a resource, it's pretty hard to find, right? So I've, I've cobbled together, I don't know, I think my list is up to about um, 300 different support organizations that do various things, you know? Um, there's something as simple as an organization called Portraits for Patriots, right? Helps you get your headshot. Well, why is that important, you ask? Well, you know, you got to start networking to get these jobs out there. So LinkedIn is currently the most powerful networking tool for a post-military career, in my opinion. Um, so you get that headshot, you get that thrown up there, but they they do that for free. That's photographers from around the country that volunteer their time you know, to help out veterans. And there's just so many other organizations out there um, that help. So um, it's just important to start early. Um, and not everybody has that ability, you know. Uh, I think right now we're in the situation where you, you see SkillsBridge, everybody thinks SkillsBridge is like the be all end all if you're separating, right? Well, I look at it as it's like the shiny house on the hill. Yeah, it looks good and everything, but these commanders, these combatant commanders and commanders down to even the squadron and unit level, they can't let everybody that's separating go to skills bridge, right? They need to man their unit and man the ship, man the aircraft. Um, so don't put all your eggs in one basket and think that you're going to transition and go right into skills bridge. There's so much flying around right now, back and forth between all the services on changing, you know, timelines and the Navy as, as usual has done it by rank, right? Like if you're a junior guy and I think it's, it's great, you can use the full skills bridge, but if you're old, old fogies, like me, you and Chris, you know, uh, <laughs> they've, they've cut that down. They've cut that down. So don't put all your eggs in one basket and think skills bridge is the be end all be all. It's not, it's not. And um, you know, the program was designed to to offer you the opportunity to check out something. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be employment at the end of that, even if you get a good skills bridge. Right. Um, so diversify would be one thing that I would say, um, you know, look at all your options and then you got to network. You got to put yourself out there. And that's hard to do, you know, when all you've known is, hey, I I go in and get my <laughs> this is my daughter Hi. i love you go downstairs babe <laughs> I love it. My, my children cut into the videos every once in a while too oh yeah good distractions <laughs> good distractions yeah you know just like a cup of water you know whenever you're like oh i need to take a drink of water whenever you're speaking now your kids yeah. come in and give you a little break yep yep Get you going. I gave you some water. Thank you. Go see mommy. <laughs> She's down there. Love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the other thing, right? Like, no matter what branch of the service you serve in, um, 
but it's going to come to an end, right? Even if higher tenure goes away like it has, you know, they're going to say, hey, at some point, whether you serve 30 years or what, it's it's going to come to an end. So um, family is most important because they're the ones that are there for you um, beyond your service. Um, so super important. And I'm, I'm super blessed to be able to wake up every day and see her off to school and, and go to her school plays and things like that. Those are things that I missed with my eldest son, who's now a engineer, um, you know, graduated college. I've got a little bit of a, a gap between the two of them, as you can see, but um, I missed his entire life. Um, you know, he's 23, 24 this month. And uh, I bet you throughout his, I was there for the first three years. And um I mean, Daddy, and yes. did you know three and three make five? Three and three make six, babe, not five. All right, go see mommy, please. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's been a it's been an adjustment for me uh, as I just retired earlier this month. I saw that, man. Congrats. Yeah, thanks, brother. And it's it's one thing that's like I'm not used to being home, so it's like I'm used to working in a military area and I've been working from home for for a while and it's completely changed uh change of venue you know I'm used yeah. to I tell Airman Timmy to go take the trash out Airman Timmy goes takes out the trash here I tell my son to take out the trash and he starts giving me lip <laughs> yeah I just, like I can't just can't knife hand him man <laughs> you want to and you probably still do sometimes i know i do but yeah you don't get the response that you do from seaman timmy when you do it it is it is a it is an adjustment i i i 100 right there next to you on that man it's it's just it's something else man <laughs> it is it is and um i'll share a little bit about my exit from the the navy like like I said earlier, you know, I got sent here to to Mellington to be the detailer. You obviously have to screen to do that job. And it's an important job because you have a bunch of sailors to take care of. But I I moved here with my family um, late 2019, right? So just follow that timeline. Um, 2019, I get six months uh, to get proficient at my job in the office there in the old cubicle farms at uh, MPC and, you know, COVID rolls around March of 2020. They said, hey, take your computer, go home. You know, we'll figure this out in a couple of weeks, you know, slow the curve, whatever. I never went back to work till I retired. I mean, I, I had watch a few times, you know, probably I, I probably only went to base I don't know, 20 times in the last two years of my career. The rest of the time wow. I was working from home. So I was well prepared to transition to a remote role um, when I got out. Um, but I will tell you, after doing two years remote with the Navy from my house, and then a year of remote with the company that I transitioned with, that's three years of remote work. It kind of burned me out, man. Like, it's it's tough. Because you don't know if you live where you work or work where you live. You're just, you know, you wake up. You, thankfully, there's a little bit of uh, 
you know, separation in my house. I have this upstairs bonus rec room that I've used for my office for the past three years. So I at least knew when I went upstairs, I was, I was working. Right. And, and the family knew when I went upstairs, I was working, but um, it was, it was a change. And yeah, towards the end, I, I think I was struggling a little bit um, with, you know, how do I motivate myself? How do I stay engaged? Um, so it's, it's tough. It's tough. How's your transition going, man? How you feel pretty good? It feels weird, man. So for those who probably don't know, I do real estate. So that's like totally, I have to be self-sufficient and run my own stuff. And it's, it's not easy, man. It's hard. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of no's. It's a lot of, <laughs> why are you calling me? Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of unknowns. And really every single morning I have to pull out my little checklist that I made, you know, thank goodness I have that, you know, going for me. I make a little checklist and I'm like, the boxes aren't going to check themselves. <laughs> so I got to go <laughs> I gotta be my own self-motivator. And if I don't make it, you know, hey, I'm the only one that's gonna hold myself accountable unless mm -hmm. I'm working with a client. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's it's been difficult because then I have my wife who's working at the hospital pulling extra hours here and there. And it's it's different trying to be a dad and working from home and not having the environment that i'm used to working in and i'm like i could do better but i can't do any better because i i'm also taking care of my kids at the same time so it's it's been a it's been a true battle man. It, it really yeah. has well you got to give yourself some grace man um because that's another thing you know working from home my wife works down down in memphis you know so she's got she got about a 45 minute commute each way. So, you know, she puts in an eight hour day and you throw in those almost two hours of commute on top of it. She's, she's got a lot. So, you know, housework, housework's the thing, right? Taking out the trash, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, especially when you have kids. So give yourself some grace, brother. It's not easy. It is not easy. Yeah. And, you know, just trying to come online with, everything that my wife has managed while I'm away, you know, thank God I have a wife that stuck with me for 19 years, man. Mm -hmm. And she's incredibly efficient at what she's doing. I always tell her, I'm like, Hey, you got to remember you have eight years of being a parent and running all this stuff. Me. I'm like, uh, I was a part-time and now I'm trying to become, come on become a full-time. <laughs> yep. You know, um, I'm still trying to, pick up like okay well i didn't even think about that she's like well you need to think about that i'm like okay i understand you know <laughs> I, yeah i understand i suck <laughs> just, just relearning you know you're just rebooting and uh you know getting getting into a new routine and sometimes there's no new routine to get into it's like you just get thrown into something right i tell people all the time there's no instruction manual for adulting or for being a parent, right? These little, these little human beings that you bring into this world, there's no instruction manual for that. You just do the best you can and, you know, take care of them, nurture them. Um, but 
at the same time, you got to nurture yourself too. And, and that's a tough thing for guys like us to do, I think, because, you know, like I said, we're programmed, you know, compartmentalize everything, put it in a little box in your head, put it on the back shelf, worry about the mission, go ahead and execute. And, you know, that's what we've done. We are incredibly good at compartmentalizing things, especially those who've been around for a lot longer. And, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, the senior senior enlisted leaders and the senior officers that spend all this time caring for everyone else um, don't really get the time to take care of themselves. And then if you add the element like you were talking about, if you have any SF or if you have a air crew or you're a pilot or anything that requires some kind of extra physical, um, even us up on, up on the flight deck, you know, we don't want to tell the doc that we're hurting because then they'll remove us from flight deck duty. Yep. They, we, the avoidance of going to medical is such a big thing. And I know it kind of caught up to me. That's why I ended up finding myself out at 20 years versus 22. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just all of a sudden just caught up to me. And uh, there's this Oxford study that was done in October of 2022. And it really kind of addressed how, at least for aviation, for the military, 72%, 72% of pilots admit that they avoid documenting their medical stuff. Mm -hmm. I believe that's, it. That's staggering. Mm -hmm. They avoid it because they know if they say something, they're going to get pulled off. And on, we, you know, we can't really afford to lose them and they don't really want to be lost. So nobody mm -hmm. ever says anything about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, you could, people could look that up. It's an Oxford study. So, so with that, I remember specifically we were in Japan and as I was going through my medical board process, right? One of my junior pilots, he came in and he was frantic because he needed to be fly worthy. He was not able to be fly worthy for two days. And that's because they, they weren't able to get his glasses. Mm. Right. And we know how that, how long that takes, right? Getting mm -hmm. the glasses, they go from the United States to Japan, Japan, you get them and then you get them back. Um, and something that was kind of out of his control. And it wasn't him that was, he was frantic because his commanding officer was very, you know, barreling down on him about his airworthiness. Mm -hmm. And even though it was something that there were a couple of things that were piling up and that were affecting him, he was not able to communicate them because of the chain of command, right? And that put a lot of things into perspective with, wow, it's not just us enlisted. It's not just everyone puts their own unperceived or perceived pressure and some of the direct pressure on, hey, you will be, for lack of better duties, you you will be able to go on deployment if not you're a dirtbag. That mm -hmm. is the automatic perception. Yeah. And, and it sucks because you do all of these things to try to get yourself to, we have that pride. 
every single one of us. And none of us want to be, we joined the military to be successful, to make something better out of our lives, to leave this legacy, right? And none of us want to be perceived as a dirtbag. Mm-hmm. Yet going to medical, no matter how serious it is, someone in your chain of command is going to perceive you as a dirtbag. Yeah. Well, I think the, the biggest thing that you're seeing right now um, is it's 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 become more acceptable to be seen. But the problem is, is we don't have the we don't have the manning. You know, if we were fully manned as a military, as a Navy, it wouldn't be a big deal if somebody went down for medical reasons or, you know, needed to be seen for some mental health stuff. Um, but when you're when you're sending ships out and squadrons out 80 percent manned 90 if you're lucky well i don't think there's probably been a unit deployed at 100 percent for quite a while um i'm sure it does happen but it's probably pretty rare but yeah so every person is important but the thing that lacks on that leadership on that commanding officer that you were talking about that was spooling up that young lieutenant is you know uh, your EQ, your empathy quotient, right? Um, the three of us here on this call and, and Chris, I don't know you that well, but I've, I've followed you for a while. I know just from following you and, and the fact that you're tied up with this, this Yogi guy right here, that you have <laughs> high EQ and I have no doubt that you, you listened to your sailors and you, you took care of them and you really cared about what was going on in their life. Um, I, I think that's one thing to celebrate with our new Mick Pond and, and these letters he's put out recently. Um, it seems to be, you know, for the three of us, that's just basic stuff. You know, um, that's, I think that's how we operated while we were in is, you know, we make sure that the sailor is, is okay, that his family's okay. But I think there was a lot of leadership that just didn't do that. And so Mick Pond said, well, I guess I'm going to memorialize it in these documents and put it out there. Um, so I, I, I see it trending in the right direction. But once again, it comes back to Manning, right? We're just we're just not manned um, as a military like we should be. Uh, the recruiting problems, we're going to find out here uh, because you remember the, the FY closes here in about five, six weeks, um, you know, into September. And we'll see where those recruiting goals are. I know that we're going to be missing by quite a bit, probably in the Navy. Um, Navy always does creative math like like they do. They'll adjust their goal at the end to make it look not so bad. But hey, you know, got to do what you got to do. Um, but it, it's it's a broader problem with society today um, in America. Is you know. People don't necessarily see the value of service to others or to the country. Um, you'd think people would would know more what's going on in the world with the advent of technology, um, but it seems to have almost made it worse, in my opinion. You know, having access to all this information at any time, you'd think, oh wow, you know, everybody'd be more open and and give people more grace, but. It's just not happening. And, and you see that with the political divides in the country and and different things. But, you know, that's why when I went into the into the corporate world, you know, everybody's like, oh, diversity, diversity. We're, we want to recruit diversity. We want to have diverse teams. I'm like, 
that's all I've had for the past 20 years. You know, that's just a natural thing that is built into us. It's like, okay, we have all different types of people in the military. And so diversity is an easy thing for you. I think if you've ever served in any capacity in, in any branch of service, it's just, it's natural. Um, so I, th I think that's great strides that we've made in the past 30 years with um, getting to the place where we're at, where, you know, we don't see a color, we don't see a religion, we don't see a political view. We're all just there to execute the mission. Um, and so the, the Navy is just naturally diverse. And I'm happy to see that, you know, um, women are able to serve on submarines now in special forces. And, you know, I think that's important as long as you hold hold the standard the same. You know, it's it's the standard, like absolutely anybody that can reach the hike can ride the ride. That's it. You know, whether whether they hold on to their cookies on that ride is up to them. Yep. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that first uh, female Navy SEAL to, to reveal herself. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell it's, yeah. It's going to happen. Hey, it when it happens, man, that's that's fantastic. And that's that's gonna be something that should be admired. You know, mm -hmm. my, somebody that I would honestly let my daughter I would say, Hey, check out this person, first woman ever to be a SEAL. I would hopefully my daughter would admire uh someone that did it, you know. And that's Absolutely. one thing. That's one thing that you'll notice from a lot of us in the military, the majority of us, I'm not talking the old guard, um, but a lot of us that are in senior enlisted guys, we're all about, can you meet the mark? Then let's go. Yep. Let's go. Ride the ride. No, but we've seen some depreciation in that mark a little bit. And mm -hmm. I get it that they're trying to recruit, <laughs> but it's getting to a point where they're like, hey, we're going to lower the amount of push-ups you got to do, but not really tell them over here on the other side, you know, hey, we messed up your, like, you're not going to get the same retirement that everybody else is going to get. Mm -hmm. Like, the recruiting tools that they used, they need to really reanalyze. In my, in my humble opinion, this old retired guy's opinion, you know, crusty yeah. old man now, right? Um, well, I think we're pretty lucky, right? We we got high three, you know, so, you know, as long as you do 20, you get 50% of your, your base salary for the rest of your life. I mean, that's, that's a big check, you know, yeah. every month, pretty, pretty fortunate. There's not many industries or businesses that still do that. Uh, you know, there's only a few that offer pensions, you know, um, government service obviously offers a pension. Um, you don't get to collect it till you're 62. You know, I'm 44. I, I, the Eagle flies for me on the first of the month, every month, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's, that's pretty awesome. Does, does a military retirement take care of you and your family in the long term? That depends on how you've set up your, your finances, you know, me being a young sailor, I, you know, had a lot of fun, had a lot of fun. And that's, that's one thing I tried to tell, um, you know, sailors that I, I worked with was, Hey, you know, set some goals, figure out what you want to do when you, when you separate from service, whether that's, you know, one enlistment or 20 years, um, and then adjust appropriately, right? Like 
you know, you can't party all the time and, you know, make, make all those goals that you set for 20 years, you know, come to fruition. So it's about balance, right? Yeah. I don't think everybody should be locked in their barracks room or, you know, not ever go on MWR trips or go on vacation. Um, but you can't, you can't go max on one side and then, you know, expect the other side to not be out of balance. So uh, that's, that's where like, that's where I felt when I was in, I was always like, man, I wish the Navy uh, would teach more financial independence classes, man. I wish this would happen, but there was just a point in time when I realized I am the Navy. So I need to start talking to my junior sailors about this. Mm -hmm. Like I need to start teaching them stuff. Even, even the kid that just joined the Navy and barely knows how to make his own rack only because they beat it into him in boot camp. Mm -hmm. He, he needs to know how to think long-term with that, with that kind of mindset, because it's not taught in our society. No, they don't teach that stuff in school, you know, which is a tragedy. You're not lucky and have parents that teach you that. Who else is going to teach you? Well, that's where us as senior enlisted guys and officers, I, I know a couple actually really good officers that literally have classes to just sit down and say, these are all the different things. You need to choose something, but you need to do something. And there's this one really cool uh, uh, blog that I really want to put out there. It's called Grumpus Maximus. Grumpus Maximus? Yeah, Grumpus okay. Maximus. And it talks about the golden golden arbitros, and that arbitros is the pension. It talks about is the pension really worth it? And he he was a he was in the military, and he struggled with the idea of holding on and holding out for that pension. And then he found him in found himself into a precarious situation. He ended up getting his retirement, but he wrote a book about about the golden arbitrage, which is your pension, and he addressed the whole entire where pensions are a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. And those who have them should really should really uh, be thankful. But also, is it really worth the squeeze? So if you do things right, which none of us did, you know, we all partied, we all had fun, you know. Um, I'm not going to say none of us, but I'm going to say the the majority of us. Right, right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, and that's a great title for it, you know, the Golden Albatross, because, uh, you know, all you got to do is wake up every day. Um, and that's hard for some veterans, right, after service, um, because they've lost their mission and purpose. Um, and they struggle with mental health. Um I know, I know I do, you know, I, I work at it every day. Um, and it's not just from my time in service, you know, there was stuff that happened when I'm growing up, but like we said before, you know, we've learned to compartmentalize and just put that stuff in the boxes. But after you, you know, transition and you're done with the Navy, you got to start kind of unpacking some of that stuff um, for your long-term mental health and how you do that there's no right or wrong answer. You know, you talk to a professional, there's, um, apps out there for it. Um, 
the VA has come a long way. The VA is a fantastic organization and they have tons of resources um, to help you. Um, so yeah, you, you got to unpack those boxes that you packed away and tucked up on the shelf. Um, I kind of talked about um, um, your ship. You're a ship, right? And you're in the ocean, which is life. And what you're talking about is compartmentalizing all of your stuff. Well, think about it. The compartmentalization is filling up a void. And if you just keep sticking that down in your holes, eventually you're, you're going to end up sinking. So mm -hmm. don't start unpacking it and realize that, hey, there's no stigmatization to take care of yourself. Like, get rid of that whole entire thought. Taking care of yourself should be done sooner than later. Don't wait to talk to somebody because really mental health is just having somebody to start talking to and working these things out. They're not going to, they're not going to know unless you give the Navy diagnosis of something they, that doctor that you're talking to can't do anything. Like won't, like they right. will and listen to you. you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something that like, I wish I would have taken advantage of this stuff sooner because it's really kind of helped me work out some of the BS that I had while I was in the military. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Stuff, that, that could really affect you physically. And it, it was affecting me. I know that 100%. Um, yeah. Stuff that was going on, you know, being in so much pain all the time and that whole entire that stigmatization, man. I, I I thought everybody was looking at me like a POS because I was broke. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. every time I interact with somebody, I have this old voice in my head saying, oh, that's just that lame senior chief that's just lame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we're always tougher on ourselves than anybody else could ever be, you know? So it's that little voice in your head, like, Hey, you're, you're junk. Like you're, you're broken and you know, everybody knows it and you're letting everybody down if you go do something about it. Um, but uh, it's, it's a word that I've been using quite a lot this past year is grace, right? You got to give yourself some grace because I think those of us with higher EQs, um, we give everybody grace except ourselves, you know? Um, so take care of what you need to and, and, and get seen for stuff. Um, I, I think one of the issues with that though, is it's not really well talked about and advertised. And even if a young sailor says I've, I've got some mental health issues the problem these days is is there's not enough mental health professionals to take care of everybody that has an issue um so that's where us as senior enlisted leaders we we should be filling that gap now are we professionals when it comes to it no but have we seen a thing or two absolutely um one of the the most successful things i implemented um was fully conducting CDBs. It wasn't just a, a check in the block for me, right? I wanted to do the best possible CDB career development board that I could possibly do every time I sat down and did one. 
So I would block off my calendar, you know, for two hours. I, I wanted to do two hour CDBs um, if at all possible. Now, did every sailor want to do a two hour CDB with their chief? No, no, but I, I afforded them that opportunity. Um, but I would, I would get into everything, you know, it's a career development board, but it's, you know, I looked at it as life development. Let's, let's talk about what's going on with you and your family. What's going on with you, shipmate? Um, how are you doing? What, what's going on? What are the, the head herders that you have? And I think that I, I did a pretty decent job of being open and honest with, with sailors, um, whether they were, you know, um, working under me, you know, my peers in the mess or, you know, the officers in the wardroom, um, you know, I think I did a pretty good job of being approachable and that's the key, right? Being approachable so that your sailors will come talk to you with the problem. You know, and what was really, um, great about CDBs, man, is, Downstairs, giving these guys like an assignment i always had uh something called navigation charts that i always had them fill out i, I went really kind of cheesy on it i called the navigation charts and they had to have waypoints and then i had a whole entire speech i'm like how do you know where you're gonna go and they're like well i don't want to be in the navy i'm like that's a great thing about a navigation chart i'm not talking about just the navy i'm talking about where do you want to be at when you get out of the military where do you want to be at in 5 10 20 years like i want to see how you're working your five-year goals to achieve your 10-year goals to achieve your 20-year goals and mm -hmm. I, his navigation charts I, i'd make him fill out and uh this one kid he he was kind of difficult he didn't want to <laughs> do it not at all he was he would fight me on it like and he didn't tell me no i'm not gonna do it no he just like put half ass into it i mean quarter ass maybe <laughs> <laughs> and he he uh he's like i want to be a photographer i'm like okay cool like what do you want to do like you want to go work at a high school newspaper or you want to work right. at vogue magazine he's like oh i'd love to work at vogue magazine never even thought about that i'm like that's what i'm talking about man you're thinking small time yeah you know like yeah i get it you're a pao here and everybody knows that the public assistant you know uh liaison officer assistant that takes the photos isn't really a big deal but that's where you got to start to get to the big deal part you got to do yep. the work to get to the big big deal part so it, it was just really cool that's what we at least that's what i did i, I named it i coined the name yeah. navigation now, chart that's awesome yeah, that's and awesome. If anybody's interested, you can go to chartyourfi.com and find kind of like a scale of what I did for that. Um, I I kind of just I put a pin in that, but one day I do plan on publicizing it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You bring up a a good point for people that are transitioning, and, and this is more directed at the people that do twenty years or more. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're an E6, you get out at 20, you're a, you're a E9 that gets out at, you know, 25 or 30, or you're an 06. I think that people need to start having some realistic expectations on what their, you know, next salary is going to be. You know, I, 
when I was with the the company I, I was with after I got out of the Navy, you know, I talked to hundreds of veterans um, and well, I'm a, you know, Oh five that commanded a submarine. I'm going to get out and I'm going to, you know, I need to make $180,000. And I'm like, you know, let's, let's reset your expectations here a little bit. Right. Um, yes. You, you, you might've commanded a ballistic missile submarine and done all sorts of crazy stuff and been responsible for, you know, billions of dollars worth of equipment, but guess what? Corporate world is completely different. Um, and I always, I always tried to work it in reverse. And what I mean by that is I'm like, well, how much do you need to take care of you and your family? Well, you know, I need 180,000. Well, what do you, the pay, the pay scales are published. You know, I can see what no six or Oh five, you know, with 25 years, I can see what your retirement pay is. The unknown is your VA disability. So you never count on that. Um, but yes, but. Um, um, uh, um, we're playing a game. Do would you like to play? I will come down when I'm done with this. Okay. Which color? Red. Okay. Playing Bacchus. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. Family games, you know. I'm only um, laughing because it's usually me. Yogi <laughs> can contest this. So my wife took the kids to football practice and dropped off uh, the girl over at a friend's house to stay the night. I'm telling you, man, it's usually me. I'm usually like running over there because they're fighting or something. And I'm like, hey, like, yes, and you like, stop fighting. <laughs> and I'm trying to record. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a blessing. Oh, right? Like, I'm I'm so thankful for it, um, being able to, to do that, you know, and since I'm kind of adrift right now. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I don't have a job I'm pursuing. I'm not pursuing any education. Um, you know, I, I got rift at the end of June, which was one day. So I got rift on my anniversary for retiring from the Navy. And it was about to be my one year anniversary with that company. Um, but, you know, stuff happens. Corporate world is a corporate world and a startup is is a startup. It's, you know, lots of uh, learning curves there. But, yeah, now I'm just kind of hanging out. So my first two weeks um, after that happened was it was a lot to process, you know, and I, I really had some some dark days. But I've got a great support system. You know, I've got my wife, I've got my brother down in Texas um, and I have, of course, you know, all the sailors that I served with. And, you know, I really make a concerted effort. And I have for about the past five years, um, usually on like a Friday or a Saturday, I'll just, you know, I think, I think I'm up to like, I don't know, 1600 contacts in my phone, something ridiculous. You know, some of them are duplicates or whatever, but I'll just scroll through there and find some, some sailor that I served with that I haven't talked to for a while. And I'll just call just like, Hey, checking in. It's, it's always interesting to see the reactions when I check in. Um, you know, I, I think people think that people only call them if they need something. Yeah. So um, I just called to say, hi, see how you're doing, you know, check in on you. And thankfully um, I haven't had too many, 
where I called and they were in dire straits, but I have had a couple and they're like, man, I really needed to talk to somebody today. I'm, I'm glad you called me. Um, so doing that buddy check is an important thing while you're still in. And then definitely after you transition, um, because telling your story or just talking to a, a brother or sister or, you know, fellow sailor or fellow service member, it's, it's cathartic, right? You, you, you have that shared history of service and you can just, you know, you just fall right back in. I, I've, I've called guys before that I hadn't talked to in like five or six years, you know, and you just pick up right where you left off and, you know, joke and enjoy, enjoy a good conversation with somebody that's been in your shoes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, transition is, is tough. And like I said, at the beginning of this, it's an ongoing thing. I don't think you fully transition out of the service until, like I said, they put you in the dirt, but, um, there are things that you can do to set yourself up. Um, obviously taps requirement, taking care of your medical. We kind of covered, um, networking. Can you define what networking is? Absolutely. Absolutely. So networking is just building a network of people and resources to support you for whatever you endeavor to do. Um, so I wanted to get into the data center industry when I transitioned. And so I used LinkedIn like a champ. You know, I just started reading every day and spending time on there and reaching out to people for informational interviews. You know, just, hey, what does this role in the data center industry do? Um, and the way that I approached it is I looked for other veterans that were in that industry that I wanted to be in. Um, doesn't mean that I solely stuck to veterans because you can't, you know, there's just not enough people in the data center industry that are veterans that you could just have a complete veteran network. But, you know, I, I started reaching out to people, asking questions, um, taking uh, teams and Zoom meetings um, and just, you know, having conversations. People are real happy to talk about what they do and to, to help you um, when you're when you're transitioning. You just got to put yourself out there. Right. You got to be vulnerable. You got to be authentic and you got to you got to put in the work. Um, it's like that little sign right there behind you, Yogi, don't wish for it, work for it. Right. Um, nothing comes, you know, and just falls in your lap. You have to, even though I had a little bit easier of a transition, I had to work for it. Right. Like, um, I started in the pandemic. So, you know, 2021, you know, we'd been, been dealing with COVID for over a year, and things that started to open up and I'm a guy that's traveled the world, right? Like I've completely circumnavigated the globe in a P3 Orion uh, four separate times, like flown completely around the earth in, a, in an airplane. Um, but when I went to go to this conference down in Texas after COVID, it had been, you know, what a wild time, right? The world was in lockdown. Anxiety was increased during that time. I, I was anxious when I went down there, you know, and for a guy that's traveled the world and, and been to third world countries and other other countries around just going to Texas from Tennessee, it 
it felt pretty, pretty stressful. And so, and then being around crowds after, like I said before, working remote for two years and being on lockdown during COVID, um, it was, it was an anxious time, but I, I had to put in the work, right? I had to go out. I had to make those connections. I had to see what it was all about. So um, don't let the fear of something stop you from from working towards it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, transition is an ongoing thing. Obviously, Chris knows that. Um, your situation, Yogi, is <laughs> an ongoing thing, you know? Uh, it's like the longest transition I've ever experienced. And yeah. I get anxiety I like, for you, man. I feel like Yogi <laughs> just keeps planning every single speed bump that's out there. He's like, <laughs> oh, I yeah. want to go. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. You know, he'll get there. What you were talking about earlier about uh calling and doing buddy checks. I've been I've been doing that a lot more. And I, I feel I feel when I was in, man, it was just like, it was really hard to do the buddy checks mentally because you're focused on the mission. And then when you're home, you're focused on your family and then you're back on the mission and then family. And it's just like, I I did not keep up well with all my contacts. And I find myself with a very similar situation that you're in. Um, Not all of them are duplicates, but like you have this whole entire contact list and one of our guests, Jim, he came on and he said that that contact list is not just valuable. Uh, monet- it's not val- valuable monetarily. It's valuable with because of all the relationships that it represents. Mm-hmm. And those relationships is all the little impacts that you've had over time. So kind of, going back and talking to these people and texting them and saying, Hey, I retired and I'm just thinking about you. I thanks for, you know, being part of my life. I I've been calling, calling tons of people up. I just had a conversation with a guy I was with in Guantanamo Bay back in 2008. And we haven't really talked to each other like over a phone since 2008, but I, it was like, we got sucked right back to Cuba. We were joking, have a good yeah. time catching up. It was like, there's no lost time. And that's, that's the, the relationship that we built is that kind of relationship. So yeah, absolutely. You should be, we should be calling the people yeah. in our process and talking. Well, to well, and then I'll tell you, um, because you're going to experience this probably, um, so like I said, I've been doing that for about five years, right? Um, and I bet you I've only been reached out to by maybe two, three people in that time. And so I got to a point probably about, I don't know, 18 months ago, I was like, I'm, why, why do I even do this? You know, like, and you have to tell yourself, it's not about you, man. It's It's about the relationship and it's about helping others. And so just, just keep after it. You, you'll, you'll get to that point though, where you're like, man, nobody ever calls me. Nobody ever checks on me. Um, like I said, at the beginning of the call, you know, it's uh, fortuitous that we're doing this today because it's, it's uh selection day, you know, it's, it's go time. We're, we're making new chiefs today. Um, the list came out, official list will be out tomorrow. 
Um, but that, that date, when it comes around every year, that, that lets you know what kind of impact you had on other sailors because you're either going to get a call from a sailor that you work for or you're not um, or worked with. So, you know, I, I got two calls today. I, I felt pretty good about that. And um, oh, I thought that was my daughter. It's it's the dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I like, thought it was your daughter too. <laughs> I did too. Barkley. Sorry, my my dogs my dogs are doing the same thing back there, man. And you know, while we're recording, I just got a message from one right now and trying to <laughs> trying to hit me up. Yeah, and it's that is the most magical feeling. It's like Christmas every time. Yeah, it is. Seeing your sailors succeed and realizing that their success, you had a part in that. Mm-hmm. you had a part in that you were able to give them something and they took that and they ran with it now don't let me down guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know it's just it's uh, you, you things change you know and that's one of the hardest things to deal with as a human being is is change you know and and being a sailor it's it's no different right um but you really have to, in order to be a good sailor, you have to embrace change when it comes. Um, and I think I saw that during my season where, you know, I was requesting charges from um, people outside my area, right? So how do you get a charge from somebody? Well, they email it, right? And then, you know, you, your, your local mess there opens your charge book and it's like, what is this? it's not handwritten it's typed you know look you know change change happened you know you either embrace it or you get left behind but um yeah it today's a good day i'm glad you know Flash I don't, I don't, in a couple of years man it'll be tablets and those things yeah yeah <laughs> yeah totally not a true. tablet <laughs> yeah no yeah, that's... But I, I think when when yogi asked me to do this um we had no idea what the date was going to be when, when the names would come out. So exactly. the, the, the fact that it fell on today is, is pretty cool. Um, yeah, for, completely for, arbitrary, especially because they've been late for the last, what, two years, three years, three years. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, heck, I didn't even know till this afternoon when, uh, pinning was going to be, but it's going to be on the 29th of September. So at least they got it in the right month. Right. Closer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Finally. For everybody that does, our listener audience that doesn't know, right? The chief season normally before COVID, uh, you used to get the results earlier and then September 15, 14 was when the pinning was done. And that was a ritual, right? Mm -hmm. Part of the um, history, part of the legacy. And since COVID happened because of the changes that had to be done when it came to the selection process because of the Boards that have to happen, they got shifted to the to the right, and then also because of the uh, notification and because of the season and because of all these other things, everything got shifted, shifted, shifted. So now we're finally shifting back to when it's supposed to happen. And as Jesse was saying, this is a huge, um, huge moment because today is very special for all three of us, and. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you, both of you guys are retired now. I'm still in, right? And <laughs> kind of, but yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's that's where I was going with that. And it's and it's crazy because I've always been the guy that was a hundred percent involved in everything. Um, and Jesse, you were here part of it last year, and and we dealt with that. Mm-hmm. But it was very difficult, and I had emotional breakdowns because. I went from being the guy that was 100% involved to where I was pushed away at the last minute saying, hey, you can't be a part of anything. And not only am I already going through this whole massive transition and like, you know, you know, Chris kind of joked and you kind of joked that it's the longest transition in life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as funny as that sounds, it super sucks. Yep. And and we both know about it because at least when you have a retirement date, boom, you know, you you're you're shooting for that, right? You can plan. Je- you can plan yeah. for life. And and Jesse, you've been a part of this, so have you, Chris, and you've seen my my hopes be set up so many times to hey, I got my date, bro. I'm leaving. Oh, I'm I'm not leaving anymore. This just happened, and this just happened, and I want to thank you, Jesse, honestly, uh, because since I got to know, since the moment I met you, um, you've been there for me. You really have. Um, and I know right now, you know, with your whole transition after transition, with everything that happened, things have been a little bit crazier. But I've. I've never felt alone. And that was because you were there too. Yeah, so man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes people feel that they have to be in the same uh, AOR or the same unit or whatever to make a change. You don't have to anymore. Mm-mm. With technology being what it is, just like you said, the, the, the buddy calls. I remember um, Yeah, checking on on you because you know, from the moment I met you, we we didn't know each other while we served. I was out by the time that I met you. And uh, you know, it, it goes back to having that that higher EQ, right? Um, empathy quotient. So when I met you on the Argo there at Point Loma, I just knew right away you you were a good human being um, and you just you needed somebody that had gone through stuff and that you could lean on. And I'm more than happy to have been that person with you. Chris has been with you. You know, you have a huge support network, huge support network. And. That's what we need transitioning is a support network, man. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop, right? And and that's one thing that definitely has helped keep me sane is um, being able to still support veterans um, like I supported sailors when I was in. Um, But nobody's more positive than you, Yogi. I mean, you've you've had quite the life and career 
and you don't let it beat you down. And that's what it's about. It's about the power of positivity, right? Norman Vincent Peale, um, power of positive thinking. Um, and you, you do that. Uh, and it's tough. It's not an easy thing. You have to work at it. Um, you know, I, I can remember before we, we did that conference out there in San Diego, you had some serious life blows, man. Like, I mean, <laughs> holy cow, your, your storage unit getting broken into and all that stuff stolen. I mean, and then it was just one thing after another and you just kept working at it. Right. Um, and you're still working at it. So keep after it, brother. Um, but I will tell you from my own personal experience, um, I, I wish I would have taken a little bit of time between, but sometimes you just can't, right? Because the goal is to take care of yourself and your family. So you're just like, I got to, you know, I got to have a job. I got to have a job. But that's why it's so important um, for you to put in the legwork before you get out so that you, like I talked about medical, because, you know, it wasn't until I was probably three years away from retirement or, you know, the next chapter of my life that I was like, I'm going to put in a VA disability claim. I don't know what I'm going to get, but I'm going to, I'm going to get everything documented and I'm going to put it in. Right. And so when you get that rating back, you know, whether it's 0%, 10%, 50, hundred, that's, that's some additional breathing room. Right. So you're getting your pension, you're getting your VA disability pay. Um, and those are tricky waters to navigate because um, for folks that, you know, have combat related injuries, there's, you know, combat retired pay. And then, you know, we could do a whole podcast on just VA disability, you know, because there's so many different little paths. Um, I will put this out there um, for the audience um, there is some fantastic groups out on Facebook. And if you're, you know, transitioning out of the service after 20 years, or you're, you're getting out after four, um, look up these groups. It's, uh, it's veteran to veteran info on Facebook, right? That's, um, invaluable, invaluable. Um, it's just a group of veterans that talk about their struggles with their VA disability claims. Um, and like I said, at some point in this um, podcast, the VA is amazing. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the VA isn't an amazing organization. It's just a beast. You know, you have millions of veterans out there that, you know, use the VA network and, you know, yeah, you're going to have some horror stories because it's just like any any corporation you work for, any job you work, any unit you've been with. There's good leaders and bad leaders, and that extends the VA. But at their core heart of their mission, they want to take care and help veterans. So do your VA disability claim. You know, like I said, whether you serve two years, four years, 10 years, 20, 30, put it in. Do you know what you're going to get? No. Um, but, you know talk to a good VSO, a veteran service officer um, from the VFW. That's who I used. DAV's good. Wounded Warrior's good. So many different resources. Reach out to anybody that's on this podcast here and um, 
you know, we'll help you. Um, while I told you at some point in this um, conversation that I'm kind of adrift, I'm not really working on anything at the moment. Um, you know, I still get calls, you know, from my previous job, from veterans or from people I served with that I that know that I, you know, successfully retired and transitioned. Um, and they just, you know, you share your story, you share best practices. Um, but it all starts with, you know, getting everything documented and then putting your claim in. Like I said, even if you get 0%, you're entitled to certain benefits. And as much as I hate to admit it, none of us are getting any younger, right? So all those maladies that you've collected throughout your lifetime, they're only going to get worse for the most part as you get older. So getting it documented, getting in the VA system now, that's important, right? Um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing I, I love about being a veteran is we're a community, right? We take care of each other. Um, and it's so important to do that. So everybody do a buddy check in this weekend with somebody you haven't talked to, um, you know, and just, just keep looking out for each other. That's, that's the most important thing. I want to highlight the fact that you mentioned that you wish you would have spent some time to decompress after your transition. Right. Yeah. Obviously, I know your story and we've talked about it a lot of times, mm -hmm. but you were active duty, you were doing <laughs> your thing, and then you transitioned immediately into the workforce. Right. And yeah. now, um, recently, you're like, man, you, you say the, the address part because you after what, 26 years, mm. you haven't had that. You, you've been working consistently for 26 years. Yeah, right. except for the time that I was in DEP. Um, you know, I, I DEPed in um, September 2001, right? That's when I went into DEP, and then I shipped November. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's the only time that I haven't had an actual job or a mission or a purpose um, from the time that I was 16. Um, so, yeah, 26 years, it's a long time to work, right? But... Um, yeah, so I, I wish I would have taken a little bit of time, but I just couldn't because I had a family to support and I didn't know what I was going to get VA disability wise. I didn't know if I was going to be 0%, 50%, 100%. I just made sure everything was documented, worked with a good VSO and sent it off. Um, and so then when that rating came back, that was breathing room because that's, you know, additional money and, you know, it covers the gap from, you know, your pension, which is only your base pay, right? Like those of us that serve 20 years, you know, we've collected a lot of different pays potentially, you know, C pay, sub pay, I got flight pay, um, you know, so there's different pays and then, you know, you get your basic allowance for housing. That's a huge chunk of change. You get your money for um, sustenance, BAS every month. So all that adds up, but you know, that's that's a misnomer among civilians is they're like, well, you get 50% of your pay. Well, no, I get 50% of my base pay, base pay. not not all my special pay and allowances. Um, so that's a big difference, you know, because when I got out, I was making almost almost 100,000, you know, um, gross 
as a as a chief, you know, between my flight pay and, you know, longevity pay raises and all that sort of stuff. So it's a it's a big chunk of change. And then when you look at the base pay, you know, um, and you're only getting 50 percent of that, you're not coming close to 100,000. Right. <laughs> so I had to fill that gap. So I just kept churning and working. Um, but that's why I said at the beginning, everybody's transition is different, right? Um, only you know your circumstances, um, but you're not going to figure it out magically on your own. Um, I didn't figure it out magically on my own. I talked to other people that had gone before me, um, other people that had successfully transitioned, other people that didn't successfully transition that had, you know, tragic um, circumstances, you know, um, and, and you try to learn everything you can. And like I said, choose your own adventure, right? How am I going to do it? Um, but yes, I, I wish I would have taken some time off, but I'm getting that now, you know, and, but it took me a little while to adjust to it because you're conditioned to just run your cycles. You're just like, I got to work. I got to work. I got to do a mission. I got to, you know, have a purpose and, just kind of embracing the calm. Um, it, it was tough for that first two weeks. And, you know, we're only, what, now I'm four, five, about six weeks into this. First two weeks were rough. <laughs> um, but, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of, you know, embracing it. You know, today was my daughter's first day at kindergarten. Fantastic. Um, so now that she's back in school, I'll, I'll be able to kind of get back on that horse and you know pursue some some more education I, i'm i'm a big fan of certifications so there's a couple that i'm going to do um not a not a huge fan of um institutional education like college but that's that's a topic for probably another podcast but uh yeah so i'm i'm reading you know i i need to do better with uh with my own personal health, you know, and not be so sedentary. I've kind of taken, taken a couple of weeks and just, uh, I did, did a lot of reading, um, which is something that I love to do. I've been binge watched a couple shows, you know, um, I think today I watched, uh, three episodes of gold rush just cause I think that's interesting, you know, but I'm just, I'm just kind of embracing the calm as we'll call it. And I, I wish I would have done that. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't at the time. Um, so I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have the opportunity to do it now. Um, and I'm so thankful for my wife because as I was transitioning, she's like, Hey, I want to get back into the workforce. Cause she had been off for COVID. You know, she, she moved with us obviously here to, to Millington and she, you know, transferred with the company she was with to, um, Memphis, but it wasn't a good, good fit. And so she resigned from that position right before COVID hit. And um, so that was, that was tough for her, but also a blessing too, because, you know, our daughter was only one when we got here. So she was able to spend all that valuable time with her and, and enjoy it. But like I said, when I told her that I was getting out, she was like, well, I'm going to go back to work you know, because there was that fear of the unknown. Like we didn't know exactly what we were going to be bringing in every month. Um, so she's, and, and, and she loves working and she's a kick-ass designer. So she got right back into it. And so between her new position 
that she's had for over a year now and, and my retirement and then my disability, we're taken care of. But that also brings up another good point that's probably a whole conversation for another podcast, but I'll touch on it a little bit, is when do you know that you've arrived? And, and by arrived, I mean, when are you content? When are you and your family content? Is it when you're, you know, bringing in $250,000 a year? Is it when you're able to have, you know, a house paid for? Or, or, or what does success and contentment look like? And it's going to be different for everybody. Um, for me, I'm pretty content now. But at the same time, you know, we're looking to change locations um, to be closer to family. And, and that's a whole nother project, right? Like, um, you know, either renting this house out or selling it and going somewhere else, but, you know, getting back to it, what does, what does arriving or success look like? And it's going to be different for everybody, but I think in today's society, I think, I think we're over conditioned that success means, you know, monetary wealth. Um, sometimes you just need to, you know, kind of go full stop and just look at where you're at. Like I have a roof over my head. I have a beautiful family. We're all healthy. Um, you know, we have food in the refrigerator and we have vehicles to get us around. We have technology. Like to me, that's successful. Like I, I feel pretty good about where I'm at, but, um, I think people are over conditioned today to think, oh yeah, you know, I should be a YouTube star and making, you know, millions of dollars. You don't, you don't need that. And, uh, you just, you need to take care of yourself, your family, your brothers and sisters in your community and, you know, your fellow human beings. And to me, that's success. So getting there has been quite the journey, but, um, I'm not saying that I've arrived because I'm going to keep, you know, doing something. I just don't know exactly what it is yet. And, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Being able to say that that's okay. Um, it's been a journey to get to that point, but, uh, yeah, you're going to be okay too, Yogi. It's just, <laughs> we got to get you down that red carpet, man. <laughs> got to get you down the red carpet. I think, I think one thing that people could kind of look at, because that's one thing that I always deal with is being content is something that's really hard for us, especially result-oriented people. Mm -hmm. Because we get the results and then we're like, what's next? Just keep going, keep going. And that's why we need to sit down and actually write down on a piece of paper what do we expect our mm -hmm. lives to look at? And we mentioned Reboot earlier. That's one really amazing part about Reboot is they have you do your visual, vis, visual. visual boards that, that you talk about where you want your life to be at. And these these courses teach you, help you understand well, this is what I want. Well, if you identify what your expectations are and what your goals are, that's one way. And there's 
there's other other things you know for us faith-based people we got to put our faith where it belongs right mm-hmm. and realize that sometimes we're just not gonna be able to um achieve every single thing that we want and that's okay yep yeah it's absolutely okay you know and i have a a love hate with technology and you know information and ai and machine learning and augmented reality i I think those are all great fantastic tools right but just like anything that has great power you know um you have a great responsibility to use it effectively and you know it's just it's just evolved so rapidly in the past um you know 25 years that nobody knew where we were going um or had a roadmap on how to get there one of the biggest things i see today is you know social media influencing young people like there are studies out there where a fully developed brain probably shouldn't have the social media that we have right yet alone a young mind a young developing mind should not have access to that kind of stuff um you know but like many things I've said, it's probably a whole topic for another another full episode. But um, oh yeah, you know, um, let's. I, th- I think we should go into the final round, man, because this is going to turn into a three hour episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give me one second. I think we have a guest that's popping in here. Oh shoot! Yeah. Hold on one second. Let's see. Like it's a brother from another mother, or maybe he didn't want to join. <laughs> he in here. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, He's huh. connecting. Yeah, Nooch is connecting. Okay, so Nooch, do you know Nooch? I mean, I that sounds like a nickname, so it's hard for me to say, man. I don't know. <laughs> you would probably recognize the nickname. Anyway, so. Let's go ahead and kick off the final round. Neutral probably join in here. He's one of our hosts. Oh, nice. Uh, that's going to be uh, partaking in some of our stuff. So thanks, Nooch, for joining. All right. So first question, man. I know you talked about some Facebook groups, but what is some content that people should be looking at podcasts or books while they're in transition you, you mean specifically help with transition or you know honestly any aspect of your life but we do talk about transition in here so if you know yeah. one that helps you out with yours you know that's that's good um re- really it's just about get on the va website download the va apps um learn about all the different things um, that you're going to need to do. Set up your timelines for, you know, getting your new ID cards, um, transitioning your healthcare over. That's if you've, you know, done 20 years and you do that. But there's stuff for if you only serve two years too. So the VA website and, you know, 
digesting all that stuff. There's so many programs out there, you know, there's, um, that, that the VA offers. It's just like when you're active duty, there's so many opportunities for you, right? Like the Navy gives you every opportunity to be successful. It's about how you embrace it. Um, so there's not one specific thing besides the VA website that comes to my mind besides some of those Facebook groups or, um, you know, some LinkedIn groups or people that are on LinkedIn. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. That was the biggest thing for me was just embracing all the information that the VA has and digesting it because it's a lot, like yeah. thousands of pages of stuff. The VA also has a ton of, uh, they do have podcasts that are out there and YouTube channels, and there's a lot of information they do put out. They do try their best. The VA, mm -hmm. we don't like to uh, talk bad about VA. What we like to talk about is that VA doesn't get enough support. Absolutely. And some of the features that they they try to come out with, it just doesn't always work. It's, it's yeah. just how yep. Well, I mean, the Navy does that too. Remember five vector model? <laughs> yeah. I do remember that five vector model. Oh, uh, man. That was so much fun. Yeah. So what do you got next for me? What's the next oh. next head herder? I'm next. Dun, 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 dun. All right. So you had a really big life, right? Um, and normally the questions that I would ask are, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self before you joined the military? And then what advice and when would you give yourself advice to start the transition, right? You talked about started you started two years before your whole transition right? yeah i mean i'm a i'm a hoarder information so i probably started collecting some stuff before that but yeah i dedicated myself to it probably two years before just slowly <laughs> working on different things so with that right what advice would you give yourself before you joined the military and then what advice would you give yourself before you transition out of the military and then you are like you mentioned you're a year after the military what advice would you give yourself as you close the chapter on the military you know those are the three questions that i have for you okay so let's start with the first one what advice would i give my 18 year old self well i didn't join at 18 i joined at uh, 22 um, so the advice I would give to my 22-year-old self would be to utilize the resources that the military has to deal with some of those mental health things that happened in my early life um, sooner. I wouldn't have waited until I transitioned to deal with some of those things. You know, those are some some dark boxes that I, I put away. So I would have dealt with that a little bit more effectively before I came in and not compartmentalized it so much. Um, so then the second question was, what advice would I give myself transitioning? Before you transitioned out and how early? Yeah, I would have, I would have tried to pay down a little bit more debt um, earlier. You know, I probably would have tried to do that um, 
four years earlier rather than two years earlier, I would have doubled the time on that. I would have, you know, worked harder at saving money or paying down debt. Um, I also would have started my networking, my professional networking earlier, but that's, that's kind of a double-edged sword and it, it still is right. Like that's the hardest thing for any transitioning service member to answer in my experience is what do you want to do when you grow up? Right. That's why we joke about it like that. So um, I, I would have, I would have tried to find something that I wanted to focus on a little bit sooner. Although I, you know, I had a good eight months to focus on the data center um, environment before I transitioned. But if I would have known, I, I, but the data center industry is a, like a whole hidden subset of industry out there you know i would say probably 80 percent of people fall into it and, and that's how i fell into it you know i didn't know anything about it um and so i would i would have worked on what i wanted to do sooner if, the, if that makes sense and then what was the third question um what what advice would not, i have not, that i'm here out right give yourself grace Give yourself grace. Um, you know, nobody has it all figured out. Certainly not me. Um, I, I feel very blessed to be where I'm at in my life. Um, lucky as well. Um, but give yourself grace, you know, um, whether you transition successfully, whether you're struggling um, or whether you completely failed at it. Um, give yourself grace and you know, talk about what's going on. There are people out there that want to help you. They're your brothers and sisters that you served with, organizations, so many veteran organizations. Um, and it, I think I sent you my veteran resource list. Um, but if uh, I haven't, I think a while back, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but we can uh, we can we can tag that onto this podcast. Yeah, so it's it's one that I again. one that I cobbled together. Um and and so, you know, I think one of the things that makes it hard for us to ask for help is we're conditioned to not ask for help, right? For the most part. I don't think the Navy has done a particularly good job of preparing us to be good leaders until you reach that senior enlisted part. You know, because it's always about like, you have to be the best. So you have to be the number one EP. You have to be sailor of the year, whatever. So, you know, we're not conditioned to ask for help. We're conditioned to be number one or always striving towards it. So, um, yeah, and people, you know, they don't want to share their vulnerabilities. They don't want to, you know, let people know that, hey, I'm human. I have weaknesses, I have problems, I have issues. Um, we always want to be seen as like the, you know, ultimate warrior, right? Um, the the war fighter that can't, there's no chink in our armor. Um, so when you're vulnerable and you ask for help, um, that's contrary to that. So it's important though, right? In yeah, my opinion. It's funny because a lot of us think that way that that's like so important that we 
don't ask for help and we have all the answers and we do all the right things. And why is it that we later on realize that, hey, we we are fallible. We're taught that over and over and over again is our anchors fell. Yep. yep. And we make mistakes. And for, by making mistakes, we learn. And what you're talking about is absolutely right. People are afraid to even take action on doing things because they're afraid that they're going to make a mistake, be seen as an idiot, be seen as not knowing what they're they're doing because they made a mistake. Oh, I say get out there and make as many mistakes as you can because that means you're actually out there trying to do it. Now, obviously, go out there and be malicious about it. What sure. I'm talking about is going out there and putting yourself out there to do things that you're not comfortable in. Yep. I call it failing forward, right? So you go out there, you fail, but you move forward and you learn from the mistakes that you made or you know, the errors that you had, and then you readjust course, and get back on track. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would say asking for help is, is an important thing. Um, but you know, who am I? Just some guy out here in, in cyberspace. Right. But <laughs> I, I want to help. So if, if anybody listening to this, um, you know, needs somebody to talk to, give me a shout. You know, I might not have the answer, but I can point you in a direction that will probably get you that answer that you need. I have a question about mindset, man. How did you get into the correct mindset? And I know you were talking about how you were already teleworking before mm. you got out, but what over the last year, what has really helped you get into the correct mindset? I don't know if I am in the correct mindset, to be quite frank with you. I, I just know that I'm at peace. Um, so to get into the peaceful mindset, I've just decided that, you know, not having a purpose and mission is okay. You can just relax for a little while. Um, but like I said, my daughter started back to school today. Um, so I'll have more time. Um, did I do anything purposeful today not really <laughs> today was a pretty relaxed day i just you know did the normal stuff around the house took care of the animals um did a little reading um watched a little television um so that mindset of peace though i'm i'm content you know it goes back to you know what i talked about with when do you know you've arrived or when are you successful i think when you're able to just relax and, you know, be content with who you are and where you're at in life. I think that's when you've arrived, you know? Um, but that probably doesn't answer your question as far as mindset. Um, but that's just kind of where I'm at. I, I'm not in the right mindset in my mind because I'm not really moving forward, but that goes contrary to being content. So I'm, I'm just like, taking a reset and uh yeah i think probably within the next next couple months i'll be more moving forward towards a goal but right now i'm just you know gonna upskill catch up on my reading take care of my family take care of myself um 
but I need to action some of the stuff that I've already identified, right? Like I'm way more sedentary than I've ever been. And so, you know, I have an exercise bike in the corner. Um, I need to get on that thing, you know, cause it's freaking 90 degrees in, during the day. I don't feel like going out running or uh, walking in the neighborhood when it's 90 degrees, but you know, I have that thing. I just don't use it. So I just need to force myself into changing my habits and um, that sort of thing. So that mindset is going to be important. Um, you know, I know what I need to do. We usually do. It's the matter of actually doing, doing it. it. Yeah. You know, I think you said your mindset a couple of times, grace, you're in a mm -hmm. mindset of grace. Yeah, absolutely. And how did I arrive at that point? Well, it wasn't easy. Um, let me tell you. Um, but once I, I realized that, you know, bills are paid, we're healthy, my wife's happy, you know, I'm like, okay, I can have some grace because I don't, I'm not in fight or flight mode, right? I'm not in fight mode to find a job. I'm not in flight mode where, you know, I need to, you know, get out of a bad job or get out of a bad situation. I just, you know, just kind of being for the time being and uh, checking on my brothers and sisters and taking time to do things like this. And um, yeah, I'm okay with it. So Jesse, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Um, I, I'd say the easiest way is just to, uh, to find me on LinkedIn. I, as long as you're not some crazy, you know, salesman or, you know, somebody trying to sell me something, I reply to every message I get on LinkedIn. Um, so Jesse Kendrick, uh, I haven't even looked to see if, uh, let me look on there real quick. I think I'm hard to find on there for some reason. It's probably just all my old tactics coming back. You know, I lock everything down, but uh <laughs> Uh, let me see. and it looks like they've kind of changed um well no they didn't here so not that they'll be able to see that maybe they will be there you go yeah when i when i came up here to do detailing you know i i knew everybody knew that I was going to be um, a detailer. So I actually changed my number that I had had for 17 years. And then COVID hit, I was working from home. So everybody got my new number anyway. So I'm not afraid to put my phone number out there. If you're a veteran, um, military spouse, um, you know, that just need somebody to talk to or need some ideas or need some resources, you can call me on my cell, 901-279-3277. Um, you know, leave a message. If I don't answer, shoot me a text. Um, I'll get back to you when I can, uh, because, you know, life happens. I might be out, you know, taking the dogs out or taking my daughter to school, but um, I'm happy to have a conversation and, and talk with you about whatever you need. Or been watching the gold rush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might. <be. laughs> yeah. Don't interrupt my gold rush time. <laughs> So with that, Jesse, it's an honor to know you. I say that from the bottom of my heart. And likewise, my friend. A friend and a brother. And thank you for coming onto the podcast. We would love to bring you back 
whenever you feel that is the right time. I mean, it's, talk all, about it's always the right things. time for me. I mean, you, but this this next time, why don't you guys um, you guys steer it a little bit more? I, I feel like I kind of we, we all kind of steered it today, and there was lots of topics where we could have went down on a tangent. But um, yeah, if you you tell me what you want want to discuss, I'm more than happy to come back on. It's it's been my pleasure and my honor um, to to be on here with you guys, and you guys are so dedicated to the veteran community. Um, especially there in San Diego, which has a huge presence. Um, I really respect and appreciate what you guys do um, for the community because, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to do this stuff, right? It's not easy. You're taking your time, your your efforts, um, and, you know, none of this equipment's free. So, you know, <laughs> you, you got to cover that, but uh no, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm happy to come on anytime, any topic you guys want to talk about, um, you know, even even politics or religion. I'll touch those on a podcast, but uh, I don't usually do that at home or at work, but <laughs> whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm happy to do it. You know, we, we, do, we do allow our guest hosts to really run how the podcast goes because it's not Yogi and Chris's podcast, it's actually our, our guests that we bring on. It's sure. listeners podcasts. So we really do appreciate you guys coming on here. And we we wouldn't even have a show if it wasn't for you, Jesse, or Newt, or Amy, or Mark, or everybody that's come onto our show and made it be what it is. And there's, and we, it's not just Yogi and I anymore. Now we have a whole entire team. That's actually, it's awesome. Admin and helping with the editing and stepping in whenever one of us has to go um, take care of things, you know, like it's turning into, it's turning into something great, man. And it it was forged out of something uh, painful. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of good things are, are birthed, you know, out of uh, tragedy, out of adverse conditions. And, you know, I'm glad to hear this is no different. And y- your purpose and your mission for doing it is pure and good. And, um, yeah, let me know if you need anything, brother. I know you're, you're just on the other side. That's why you got the chin hair grown out. It'll, it'll itch here eventually, and you'll shave it off. <laughs> so... Before I give a shout out uh, um, to this, I want everybody to kind of listen, rewind and listen to what Jesse put out there. He served our country. He was a Navy chief, air crewman. He talks about his transition time frame. He talked about leaving the Navy during the COVID era and how it really kind of helped him transition a little bit. But still, everybody's transition is different. So please take a listen to this. We talked about how medical stigmas, we talked about um, we talked about mental stigmas. We talked about a bunch of different stuff in here. So please take a listen to it. Jesse's got a lot of knowledge on here and his bottom line, his message is have grace for yourself. So we are sponsoring a football team. And it just happens to be my son's football team. So Snohomish Panthers, we 
are rooting for you guys. Now, for everybody else, our listeners, it is your transition. So take charge of it. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. Mildevet out. Hey, uh, <laughs> bear with me. I'm making myself a nice ice latte. Okay. You're all good, man. You see that you guys... uh, the allergic I... allergic reaction he has in his face? Well, I I thought it was pretty cool that uh, today was selection day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so I got I got two phone calls. That's always nice when you get a couple calls. You know, um, yeah. 